Hi, guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview, and I've got Trisha Parido with me. Trisha is a fellow traveler, shall we say. Um, we have both... Uh, uh, taken the liberty of tasting many addictions out there, uh, taste a bit there, and we are experts in... Uh, <laughs> she is actually truly an expert, master addiction specialist. Yes, and I'm, an, I'm a pretty expert in addictions, okay? I'm a master addiction man. Uh, master addiction master, okay? Uh, so today we are we are quite uniquely uniquely positioned because we have been there where maybe you are right now. And we want to talk today, we've decided that we want to talk about uh, those uh, those situations where you where you're still a bit in denial. And that's 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 so common out there. So ninety-five percent of alcoholics will say, me? Alcoholic? No, there's no way. You know, John down there, you should see him drinking. Oh, but me, no, I'm fine. It's just I'm a bit stressed. Therefore, I want to drink a little bit more. Yeah, that cheesecake. Yeah, I'm sorry, that hasn't got much of a chance because I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know. And that's uh, what you mean? Eight hours of Netflix when I'm trying to sober up? Uh, yeah, okay. So there are so many things that we normalize yet. Why don't we actually talk about how a recovery journey really is happening and maybe how we can look at it differently? How can we experience recovery in a different way and look at it in a different way? And maybe instead of it becoming such a overwhelming thing and such a scary thing as it was for me probably, it is our choice. So, Trisha, I'm so, so, so happy that I've got you on board here today. Let's talk addiction. Welcome to my show. Oh, thank you so much. And I've been just really excited to be here. Like, it is just so awesome to connect with people that are willing to speak out loud because, you know, society as a whole has a fairly narrow perspective around let's just say the word addiction or the word recovery, both of those words, like there's a very specific cognitive space that people go to when they hear them. And it, and it generally is, you know, addiction and, you know, means that people are, you know, not functioning. Recovery is for the, for people that are down, out, ill, poorly functioning and need to be removed from their environment. Mm -hmm. And, and fixed or, you know, you know, made different. And, and it's just not the whole truth. It's not the whole perspective. And it's something that I learned in my journey. Now, mind you, I worked really hard at my addictions for 30 years, but I also worked really hard on my recovery journey for 25 and, and more so. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is, Addiction isn't just about chemical substances that, you know, we, we think are the problem. You know, we become attached and, and it ruins our life. And, and recovery isn't just about, you know, removing those things. It, it, it's, it's about life repair, emotional repair, 
spiritual repair. I mean, it, there are just so many different layers to it. And, and you know, what I realized is that my addictions, my negative attachments, my habits that were holding me hostage were all seated in a pressure to perform and we're all a, a reliance on things outside of myself. Like that reliance for these things to bring me peace, joy, comfort, relief, value, validity, mm. worthiness, like all the things. Like I, And so once I realized that I could create a life where I felt meant that, you know, I had to realize that this is my life too. And it gets to look, feel, be however I want it to. I just had to make some choices. And it wasn't just put down the beer. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just start eating or stop eating or change what I was eating. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, give up buying shoes. It, it, it wasn't those things. It was about looking at you know, the, the stories that I was telling myself in my head and attaching to the other people in my life and all, all, so many different things. Anyway, I could ramble on for, for hours upon hours <laughs> to keep it focused. You know, if I was to say anything right here, right now, in this moment, anybody that is listening, let go of your narrow perspective around the words addiction and recovery. Let's get broad. That's right. And I could not agree more with you. Having said that, when you are when you're living a life where you constantly try to escape your reality and you want to implement change, you need to start with something. And I guess to a certain degree, it makes sense that at the very start, you need to think about the, the things that you use to escape reality. And they are often rather, rather potentially lethal. Um, some of us do a, do a suicide in installments with alcohol. Others, they go closer to the, to the knife's edge with fentanyl or with other drugs that they inject. Um, there are different paths uh, that people choose. And, and I think it is sometimes there needs to be this intervention. There needs to be this someone giving you the helping hand, removing you from your environment and strictly going into four weeks of rehab where you are protected, where you can lick your wounds, where you can heal, where you can withdraw, all those kind of things. So you're so right uh, that to, to say, yeah, uh, we need to think wider. For some of us, that's where the story starts with four weeks of time out. Um, the vast majority of people out there are nowhere close to that. For me, I probably wasn't so, I, I was down and out. Um, I was still relatively high functioning, high functioning alcoholic. And uh, for me, the four weeks of, of all expenses paid holiday uh, was exactly what, what uh, I needed. Um, because it allowed me the jumpstart to to get onto the healing journey. 
Having said that, had you told me, hey, look, you will go now four weeks into rehab and it's going to be just fine and we teach you your emotions, etc. I would have looked at you and said, no way. No way. I, I don't need that. And I'm a doctor. I know everything about emotions. <laughs> My ass. <laughs> My ass. I knew, I knew everything about emotions in other people. I could read a depression from a mile over there and a personality disorder and addiction. I saw it from a mile coming. Did I see it in me? Hell no. Hell no. So it is, it is uh, what, I mean, <laughs> you're right. Let's change the perceptions. But in people, in most people that are addicts, they are in complete denial. So how can we change the perception, first of all, of the people who are living lifestyles that completely rely on escapism? You said so many things in there that I just want to jump on and uh, go, 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 go. <laughs> and, and just touch on. So I want I want to first, before I go into, you know, the, the space for those people that are in denial and or maybe aren't at the level of severity you were, were referring to, because yes, yes, there are people that are at a level of severity that they do need to be removed from their environment so that they can have that space, that period. Now, again, if we go back to society, society thinks, okay, send them to treatment, they'll go spend 30 to 60 days, depending upon their level of severity, and they'll come back good. <laughs> no. right? So let's, let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. The early recovery, the first 30, 60, 90 days are literally, yes, important for that level of severity, very much a needed step. However, it is stabilization. You still will need, and this is where this is where my passion drew me directly into this industry, working and doing exactly what I do, because we do that, we stabilize, and then we release, we discharge to AANA, and weekly therapy, but nobody's there to, to work with you. You need to be prepared that you have to, you know, the, the now what, what's next? Exactly. Because you go home to the same house, the same spouse, the same kids, the same bills, the same job, the, the same environment, the people, places, things that you were previously avoiding, numbing out, not knowing how to deal with. And what I liken this to is what you were referring to. Those, those folks that are, you know, in denial, but, you know, are, are in this space. What's happening is with our negative attachments, with our habits that are forming and, and growing into addictions, if they aren't already these, this is this is attaching an emotional purpose to something outside of ourselves. Again, what I said, I'm relying on that something outside of me to bring me peace, joy, comfort, and relief. So let's talk about this in a way that somebody may be able to translate. So moms, all you moms out there, and men, think about your daily attachment to whatever exercise program it is that you gotta have or you're gonna be irritated, agitated, and annoyed. So I liken this to my moms that have to go to that 6 a.m. spin class. And if they don't, if say, say their child is ill for whatever reason, they can't go. And now their whole life, their whole day is, is dismantled. 
everything is off kilter. They don't know what to do because they're so rigid in all of these things that they have to do to, to define them as a person, a being, or how, how they, how good they feel about themselves or don't. And, and so we just become so rigidly attached that, that, things falter if it doesn't go right. So we have this emotional attachment to things outside of us to feel right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the alcohol for some, that's the fentanyl for some, that's heroin, that's, you know, pain pills, that's the bucket of Ben and Jerry's or, you know, the brownies you Mm -hmm. hide in the car on your way home from the grocery store. It's, it's, it's literally, I, 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 yes. It's a real thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're ticking things off in your past there. <laughs> yes, yes. So like if I eat it in a car and nobody sees me, nobody will know. Right? <laughs> and that's us, isn't it? I mean, that's us. I mean, if you, if you ask yourself, uh, am I an addict? Am I in trouble? Well, it, 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 I can ask you back uh, to find out, well, how busy are you in your life? And with busy, I mean something different. I, I was very, very busy as an alcoholic because in the morning I was hiding that I was hungover. Then I, over the day I sort of functioned and then later in the afternoon I was, I was thinking, where do I get the alcohol? Then I was hiding that I got the alcohol. So I traveled different supermarkets. Then I was hiding the alcohol. Then I was hiding that I was drinking the alcohol. Then I was hiding that I was drunk. I was busy, I tell you. Does that sound a bit familiar, oh. that hiding? If that hiding sounds familiar to you guys, no. come on. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a job. Isn't I it? Worked, like I said, I worked really hard for 30 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to be this highly functioning alcoholic. Yeah. And and it is. It's it's a very busy job. <laughs> Isn't it? So time to get one in where, you know, where am I going to be somewhere long enough to have one so that I'm not drinking and driving? All the things. Isn't that exactly All right. the things. So, right? and that was the alcohol. So, but, and, and for many of you, it might not be alcohol. You might actually say, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just a little bit overweight weighing in 450 pounds or something like that. Uh, it's all muscle and I've got a genetic problem, obviously. And no. No, chances are that that you have fallen foul to sugar and to the modern, exactly, to the modern industry, which creates that perfect bliss point between salt, chemicals and sugar that your body just wants. Yes, yes. And it's that dopamine and it's it's, sex falls to the wayside because that sugar rush is so much nicer. Now, if that means something to you, welcome to the club. And that is how social, social, uh, what is the word? Programming, social, that's, that's where the food industry has really got you on that big hook. And <laughs> the, the food industry hides the sugar. We don't even know Correct. the things. I mean, I do because I've studied it. I've researched it as a, as a recovery, fitness and nutrition you know, coach. And, and somebody that is very passionate about eating disorders and, and food addiction, you know, I know where it's hidden. 
but it's literally in everything. You can't even get a McDonald's hamburger without getting a mouthful of sugar, refined sugars at that, because the, the food industry here, especially in the U.S., I mean, all these packaged, processed, whatever, pre-made things all have these preservatives in it, and, and they've done it with an intention. Mm, I, I guess I don't want to be accusational, but there are so many of them that are addictive properties, they, right? So Doritos, they were literally made so that you could not eat just one. <laughs> exactly. And think of there it. There are I mean, literally ingredients that create that that issue. Hmm. Call it what it is. Let's call it an addiction. It is yeah. highly, highly addictive, uh, the food that you buy. And uh, a statistic, um, the figures might not be exactly right, but the ballpark figures are. Um, it is in the last 10 years, supermarkets have uh, added another 15,000 products onto their shelves. Now, last time I looked, they were no new apples and no new oranges. Maybe kiwi fruit is something new, greetings from New Zealand, but that's one. Um, now, the other 15,000 is basically highly manufactured, perfectly balanced crap that um, people make a lot of money with. And if you actually define food as something that is sustaining your life and then is enriching you, then this shouldn't actually be called food, okay? So... <laughs> So these are the things, and, and, and we want to spell that out. I think that is, I'm, I'm very passionate like you, uh, Tricia, about this, these, um, these hidden things, because we don't see them. We take them for granted, and we feel the bliss of eating that half a cheesecake, um, and you don't realize that actually, hello, bing, 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 um, that what you have just traded from alcohol to cheesecake or from alcohol to smoking or from smoking to you name it. Um, it's, it's essentially uh, a, there's so much more out there. There's so much more to addiction out there. So our perception that I'm fine, maybe you're not fine. Uh, the perception of addiction being down and out. I love that, what you said earlier on. Were you truly down and out through your 30 years? As in, no. in the gutter, um, some of us have, um, some of my guests have, the vast majority haven't. What about you, Trisha? Yeah, I'd have to say no. I mean, sure, um, I, had, I had, you know, some dark phases, um, you know, my, my story again is really long, but, you know, my first sexual assault was at the age of four and, and, and there were several, many, um, there was a lot of senseless death. There was a lot of things, right? So I picked up at the you know, first time at 12, um, after my, my dad had been killed in a tragic accident. And, you know, I was looking at the adults and, and they were, they were able to have conversation. They were able to smile they were able to, you know, function, uh, you know, and I'm 12 and I'm like, so the, the common thread as I'm looking at all the adults around is, is a beer in the hand and a cigarette. And, and so, you know, I, I grabbed a six pack and a pack of cigarettes and, and took off and, and, and it worked. And so there you go. But, you know, so I, I wasn't really, 
I, I did, you know, I did struggle off and on again with, you know, uh, scary trauma filled periods of my life where I relied on the alcohol so much more as an escape, domestic violence, um, again, you know, sexual assaults and, you know, um, just abuse and, and, and a lot of loss. And, and, and so those periods were, you know, darker. Mm -hmm. However, I, I have to say that for the, for the majority of it, no, I was highly functioning. I met my husband at, at 27. I just turned 27 years old. We have five children. We raised them beautifully. We had, yes, we had some trials. One of our children had, you know, uh, AML, which is a leukemia. And, you know, that was a struggle. That was a battle. Everything worked out fine. We were blessed, but, you know, so really for me, it was, you know, just a lot of things, but then I had a, you know, a few near death experiences and later in life, when it came time to start empty nesting, I developed uh, generalized anxiety disorder with panic. And, and I, you know, really attribute it to having had a, a really early hysterectomy and just a lot of hormonal imbalance and daily drinking. Let's not, let's call it what it is, daily drinking and an eating disorder. Um, and uh, um, because, you know, I did still drink every day, um, you know, never seemingly drunk. Um, and then I got this, this anxiety and my, my medical provider who knew, I was very open about it. I'd never hit it. Um, you know, talk to my kids openly about it, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, but anyway, I was pres prescribed Xanax and I, and I didn't abuse that either, but I did use it daily along with my daily drinking and, and sure I was an adult, <laughs> but didn't really, <laughs> didn't really realize what was happening behind the scenes inside my physical body. Yeah. So with daily drinking and, you know, disordered eating habits and now, Xanax on board, you know, over a five year period of time, what happened was I developed a physiological addiction that I had never experienced. So now I could not quit. Now I was in a space where every morning it was my hands are shaking and, and, and I was nauseated, etc. So, you know, to, to function, I needed a beer and a Xanax, <laughs> right? Before the coffee, before any, you know, just to just to be able to function and going to sleep at night. I could feel my liver working. I, you know, the just all the things. And so then it became really a big job. Right. And and so, and I remember, you know, my 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 family, my husband asked me, why now? When I when I was like, I need help. Because I had always been able to get things under control my my whole life. Whenever it would get away from me, I because I'm a control freak. Again, I you know. <laughs> at four, I was a control freak. I was reading, writing, doing arithmetic, playing chess by the age of four and was competitively swimming and playing piano, classical piano by six and a half. Um, I just always had this, this need to, to control my environment, which is classic addict behavior. So I think I was trauma, really born trauma survivor behavior. That yes. is what it is. Yeah. True. Yes, you're right. It is. And, and I, 
Hey, you know, always, always felt like I was super strong. Like, yep, that happened. I survived it. Great. Let's move on. And sure that served me, but I did still have to deal with it. <laughs> oh, right? fuck. You are moving your lips and my words are coming out. Oh, that's scary. It isn't it. It's, it's absolutely that. Um, I, th th one question I need to ask, why did you stay with beer? Everyone smells beer. No, no, so, I didn't. I didn't stay with beer. That's okay. where. That's where I ended. Oh, that's where okay. I ended. Yeah, yeah. I started with beer, but quickly graduated um, because, you know, my more TMI probably. But you know, between junior high and high school was when I had my first true rape, and and then he stalked me for a year. Anyway, so I I ended up in this in this space where, mm, you know, I hung out with, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I in, engaged in, in a, in a party crowd and, and that, you know, it wasn't, they, you know, we weren't, we were all very, you know, I don't want to say well off, but, you know, we had good lives. And so we also had access to some really good liquor. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I remember, Gosh, I think the first time I played quarters, we played with screwdrivers, hmm. you know, and and so by the time I was 21, my body wouldn't metabolize hard alcohol anymore. I just was done, um, just done. So then, I, you know, decreased, you know, to wine and beer and then wine had to be removed. And 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 so by the time I was done drinking, like the only thing I could tolerate and, and to be able to drink enough because it was like, you know, I had to have that hand to mouth going all the time because that's another addiction. Right. Um, and you know, the only thing I could handle really was Coors Light. Interesting. Interesting. So, mm. I, I, you know, my liver was, you know, maintaining itself, right? <laughs> like, um, if I would have stuck with the heart stuff, I, I don't know what would have happened. So, but if I would have touched it, it would have just been like blackout. So, and I didn't like to blackout. I didn't like to, I didn't like to not remember. I liked to just maintain myself mm. in their life space um interesting see yeah. I, I that was never enough for me i wanted to forget i wanted to be i wanted to come to that point where i don't give a toss anymore about whatever trauma had just occurred or old trauma that was constantly i was constantly reliving and I just wanted to forget that. And I needed that level higher. This was not just a calm, humming, beer kind of level where you could sort of be there. No, I needed that. Okay. I I'm, hear you. Uh, yeah, that was me, you know, 12 to 25, 26. Yeah. 26 to 43. Yeah. Like I was with my husband. I had a great life. I learned what unconditional positive regard was. There wasn't any more trauma. Nice. Okay. Right. Like I had five amazing children and, and, and actually by the time I quit, it was like, I'm not going out like my grandma did. Right. Cause I'm a grandma now. I'm not going out like that. And, and, you know, <laughs> so for me, it, it, it was my way to hold on to, you know, my relationship with alcohol, but, but enjoy the life that I had 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 the opportunity nice. to nice. again. So, so I'm talking to all of you housewives out there who, as soon as the kids go to school and everybody's off to work or whatever, yeah. and you're just feeling like, 
set. I've got this bottle of airline bottles of wine in the in my gym bag in the back of the closet so I can drink while I'm vacuuming. I hear you. I hear you. It, it may not be causing you, it may not be trauma induced. It may not be, you know, something very traumatic. However, it's still going to bite you in the rear end one day. And, and it's not, you, you want to find out what is that emotional attachment? What is that, that you're waiting for that, that midday wine to bring to you that you aren't giving to yourself? Beautiful. Beautifully said. Absolutely. And that is, but it is that. I mean, uh, one guest uh, described a sound effect for him that wine had. And the sound effect was easy. Ah. Oh. That was the feeling that was it. And actually, I get goosebumps because I had exactly the same. Give me two glasses of wine after a very long working day. And suddenly these muscles were relaxing. Ah, and that was beautiful. The problem was I had completely forgotten about other ways how to relax these muscles. Nowadays, I live a life that is so different. That is that is beautiful. That's full of joy. That's full of full of crispness clarity ah oh, but more more joy in my soul and, and a passion that is driving me nowadays ah oh, beautiful but i still need to go ah oh. but nowadays at least i have found multiple multiple other ways to to suit various needs and various times and but that is the richness of recovery. That is when, when Trisha is talking about she has worked on her recovery for the last 20 years. Well, that's exactly what we do. Because initially, we are wounded animals. When, when you stop drinking, that is your starting point of you changing your life. Then, then, yeah, you deal with your addiction or what is currently really hurting you. And you, you need to start with something. So well done for, for starting with something. Um, but then comes this beautiful journey, not of daily, oh, I can't drink. And, uh, do we, uh, I, I don't have that thought anymore. I can't drink. That thought is long gone. Um, my daily thoughts are, how can I, what do I do today? What do I want to do today to fit in my duties, my work, etc.? but something that puts a smile on my face? Will that be a bit of gratitude? Will that be a bit of journaling? Will that be going for a long swim? Will that be whatever it is? That is how we work on our new life. I think, Trisha, that the new life, I think that is maybe a way that, that one should really talk about recovery, about a new and exciting life, as if you are as if you're emigrating, as if you're moving away from where you were. And you have got now a new start. And how beautiful is that? Absolutely. I I always ask my clients, I ask myself, actually, I should say, I start with myself every day. Like, how do you want to see yourself experiencing living today? Yeah. How are you going to lead by that example how do you want to be received by others? Yeah. How do you want to be received by your environment? Right? And how are you going to be inviting everybody to receive you the way that you desire? Anyway, 
but because I think it's I think it's really important that that we that we realize. I mean, we think about it. You know what we've been referring to here is a lot of people functioning in an external locus of control position. Um, you know, not to throw theories in there, et cetera, but you know, Julian Roderick really had something going on. And when I when I learned this theory, like it was life changing and pivotal for me. I was like, holy cow, right? So so we have to again. That's all those things out there, right? But but we want to, you know be able to, to sit and say, how can I sit in and move through this? Because we were conditioned as children, right? We're, we're all born in the external position. We have to cry to be fed or have our diaper changed or whatever. We rely on somebody else to tie our shoes. And, and we're modeled this hand to mouth or whatever you want to call it, right? Because what happens? You fall down, you scrape your knee, you get a popsicle. You... You go to the doctors and get your first vaccines. You get lollipops. <laughs> you, you, you have a birthday. You get cake. You, you know, you, you accomplish something big. You get a celebration. Now we got food, dessert, and alcohol, right? Like we got all of these. This is our reward system. And this is how we're moving through life. And, and what I've realized is, and, and I'll bring it back to my own, you know, my own family, my own upbringing. My mom didn't know because her mom didn't know that we were all supposed to be moving into an internally driven position where we didn't rely on things outside of us, right? To where we could sit in and move through the uncomfortable because we had the ability to have impulse control. We could be responsive in all things we did instead of knee-jerk reactive. We had... We, we would we would have known that we needed to learn things like distress tolerance, effective self-soothing tactics, and emotion regulation. <laughs> You're taking the really big words out of the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And I mean, this is literally, I mean, this is, these are, I'm taking pages out of everything that, you know, that, that I, I do in my daily life because I, I tell people this, like I literally turn on the work that I do with my client every day and listen to it myself, hmm. one lesson or another, because it is so important that, that we pay attention, that we are listening effectively to what our physical body is telling us, what our emotional body is telling us, what our spiritual mind is telling us and what our cognitive mind is telling us. Our body knows what it needs, just like what you were talking about with food, right? Food is our fuel. And the minute that we started making it something else back in childhood, it became something other than what it is. It is literally the fuel that our body needs to function appropriately, just like the car that you drive down the freeway every day. You wouldn't put sugar in the gas tank or latex paint, or, you know, I don't know, sand in the, in the brake fluid, you know, all of these things, right? Like you wouldn't put sludge in your car and expect it to run. Now, sure, if you don't treat it well, you can just go out and buy another one. But how would you treat that car if it was, if you never were allowed to have more than one, you would treat it better. You'd rotate the tires, you'd all these things, right? This vessel is the only one we are ever gonna have. It's guaranteed. Yet we put sludge in it 
and and expect it to continue to perform mm -hmm. to the level that we wish that it would. And and it's just not going to happen. And it is so true. It is the 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 way that we treat our bodies is is with great disrespect and uh, i i certainly abuse my body tremendously but i want to assure you guys out there the past does not equal the future just as much as if you've had 10 20 30 years of abuse of of even if you don't want to call it addiction, call it heavy use or whatever is, is acceptable to you for the time being. Um, it is, you have left a mark. As alcoholics, uh, even although I ate well, I was malnutritioned. There's no doubt in my mind. I ran a, a large pain clinic and I, the, the, I know for sure that when I run the tests in, in the blood, of my patients, most of them were malnutritioned. There were things missing here and there and everywhere. So that was just the chronic diseases that they were that was causing them the pain. Now, in reality, for me as an as an alcoholic, that was exactly the same. Did I want to know about it? No. When I changed my life and started really looking after myself, and suddenly my my whole body changed. And I've in the last I'm mean, fifty six now, so in the last two years, I've put my money where my mouth is and actually ran through a hell of a lot of uh, examinations, just checking me out from the inside, the outside, left and right, everywhere. And I have to say, I expected some nasty surprises. Yet after seven, eight years in recovery and actively excellent nutrition, actively ruling out food allergies, getting rid of stuff that does harm me and try to do the right things. Um, my coronary, so the, the blood vessels that supply heart, uh, blood to the heart, are actually pristine, They're like a baby's. And with the, with the life I lived, I, it, no, no, I should by now long have my had, had my third heart attack. Uh, no. So I've changed my life around and you can do too. And, and whatever is happening right now, well, that's only a snapshot. That's right now. Okay. So what? Um, you've got at least a good starting point. <laughs> remember, remember, in order to go forward, you have to sometimes pull the arrow really far back. You might be right back at the moment. But you, boy, you're ready to go. So let's be just let's be just clear about that. So the past does not equal the future. Let me spell that out. And it is, it's beautiful. Two nights ago, what is today, Wednesday? Uh, Monday night, I swam for the first time in my life. I swam three kilometers. One session. Um, and it was seriously kicking ass. And I was trying to see two Ks I could do. And I was thinking, well, okay, can I push myself? And I could. And I thought... I'm 56. Hang on. I couldn't do that when I was 21. So, you know, so here you go. It is amazing. And that is what I guess what, what we're saying. <laughs> I've got goosebumps again because it's so beautiful. It is, it is just a, an, an, a realization that recovery is so rich, is so, oh, it is, uh, honestly, I'm lacking the words to describe the, the passion true. that I've got for the new life. I love your enthusiasm because I can, I can validate that, right? Almost nine, well, no, nine years. Um, alcohol or, in, you know, 
recovered from chemical stuff or you know from from the, those addictions, right? Because again, you know, other things have been recovered for 25 years, um, like anorexia. And that 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 left me, you know, a good 25 years ago. But what I can say is today, when I first got sober, we'll call it that, when I first got sober, because again, my recovery journey was long. I, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis uh-huh. um, and then chagrin and then, you know, mixed connective tissue disease uh-huh. and all of these things. But today, today, I, I am not on prescription medication. I take supplements. I am in the best health that I've been in in a long time. I no longer need blood pressure medication. I don't need cholesterol medication. Uh-huh. All the things, right, that that were part of my life now. And I love it because we're both sitting here in our 50s going, look, it's never too late to change things. And it's just not. It's just never too late. I, I talk with women and men that are like, you know, this is just the way I am, you know, that are in their 50s and 60s. And I'm like, look, man, it doesn't have to be the way you are. Like you can, you can with, with the right nutrition with the right sleep with the right exercise where you where you're making it lifelong manageable maintainable i do not and am not a an advocate for this diet culture that that has seemingly you know just taken over so many people's lives right like it's it's there it's this constant all or nothing like we're all in or we're all out and it's just another addictive behavior again addictions are process behavioral and chemical in nature and and so you know i just love that like we can become healthier you know my my i don't have weight fluctuations i i you know all the things i can't even tell you even in this pandemic i can't even remember the last time i was sick hmm. That's true, isn't it? That's actually true. Now that you say it, same here. Around me, people are falling over and I just keep going like the bloody Energizer Bunny. So, no, okay. That's, oh, I actually just realized that. Yes. So beautiful. But that takes, that takes work too. So I guess the, the same business. No, actually, that's wrong. I was, I was, I was really focused on all the wrong things, and I was suffering at the time. Nowadays, I'm having fun, and I'm still busy, but busy looking at how can I live even better? How can I actually really look even more after myself? And I guess what it is actually. I didn't need to climb a, a mountain where someone was sitting in a yoga position and was whispering words to me. I actually just needed to really think, who do I want to be? And then start really not just having a vague dream who I want to be, actually being very, very, very specific, very clear what I want to do. And then think, how do I get there? And that was the amazing thing. Once I started making tiny, tiny, but consistent daily steps, that's where the magic starts. And guess what? You can have a choice every second.
every second right now you choose to listen to us and for that i congratulate you um that is later on you have the choice to stop that and say wow this is an absolute fantastic interview i need to press the subscribe button that is your choice but i strongly recommend it of course <laughs> and then you can have the choice of actually getting up stretching yourself and you have the choice to go down and have have a drink of water or a nice big glass of water maybe these are two choices that you have made where you went the direction of, of the new you. How cool is that? How difficult was that? You stretched and then you actually drank a glass of water. Come on. That's how cool. Two, two successes. Two successes in your day. You thought it was a shit day? Congratulations. Two successes. What, what's your next choice? What could you do? You know? And it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But, but we, so hopefully we are infusing you here and hopefully you, you're feeling a bit of that, that feeling that rushes through me at, at moments like that when I actually realize how far I have come on my path, but I'm also realizing how far there is still to go and I'm looking forward to that. So that's cool. Um, uh, now, but you, sometimes you need to, 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 to come to a certain point of realization and it is, when was when did you reach that point, Trisha? And when was when what was that point that actually finally told you enough is enough? It is when did you feel you you want to change, not you need to, but you actually want to change. When did you make the choice? Okay, so I like that you made that that distinction because I already talked about how I said you know I'm not going out this way, and, and I talked about you know when my husband was like, why now? And I said, I can't stop on my own. Mm. That wasn't when I wanted to change. That was, that was a need. That was a, that was a physical need. I needed stabilization. I needed this to go away. It was when I left my 30 day treatment program and went home and, and was trying to navigate through that discharge plan of go to AA and weekly therapy and there wasn't even AA in the city I lived in, mm. one. Um, but but it was, you know, when I hit that, now what, right? So I'm like, you know what? You know what's going to serve me is for me to learn what happened. Like, what happened? So I went to school. I took a class. The physiological effects of drugs and alcohol on, on the body, nice. right? Right? So I learned what happened with that combination of drugs that were prescribed to me. Right. And, and, and then I was like, okay. So then I started diving in one class at a time and I became intrigued in myself. Right. This wasn't, this wasn't, I didn't go to school so that I could learn how to do what I do. I didn't go to school so that I could, you know, open a practice and work with other people. I went to school so that I could truly learn what, what happened in my life. Now, did I know that I was going on a journey that was going to take me all the way back to the age of four and I was going to learn about all of these process behavioral and chemical addictions and, and, and you know, how trauma is stored in the brain and, and how my perception and my remembrance of some things, you know, may not be 100% factual, but it was my reality and all the things, right? And how I was attaching, you know, my past. I love how you talk about that. The past does not define your future, but it also doesn't define you. 
Mm-hmm. And if, if you know, you can hold on to it, we go through our days and we fill our bag full of every minute that has passed. We get cut off on the way to work. We throw it in our bag. We take it in with us and we stand around the water cooler and talk about the jerk on the freeway, right? Like, why do we put this stuff in our bag? Why do we weigh ourselves down? Why do I keep ourselves so bogged down by things we can't change? You cannot, there is no do-overs in time. We never get that minute, that second, that month, that week, that whatever back. We cannot do them over. Any day you wake up without a chalk line around your body is a good day. So we're either stuck here in our bag full of Crudola, right? Weighing us down. And then what happens is we start future tripping about all of our what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I I want that so badly, but how am I ever going to get there? But we're so weighed down. And, and yes, I'm super demonstrative, right? Um, but you know, we're so now we're stuck between this future trip and anxiety and, and this weighted down past. And we're desperately trying to go from point A to point Z without doing B through Y. And guess what? It's not an alphabet without B through Y. So we have to just, anyway, so I started getting clearly really interested in myself. And I just started taking class after class after class. And oh my gosh, five and a half years later, Here I am with, you know, I don't know, I think 13 some odd credentials and here I am. And, and I just love every minute of it. Right. And, and it's what keeps me interested. And, and so every day I wake up and every day it's a new day and every minute that I need to get up and redirect myself, especially if I'm getting irritated, agitated, and annoyed, right? Like I have taught myself how to do that and not need something else, you know, to, to rely on. I went down a rabbit hole, but no, 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 that does. That is perfect. And I love it. I love it that you say that you get annoyed because there is this perception that somehow we people in recovery, we need to be always happy, always blissful, always uh, serene, always everything is fine because you're in recovery. Obviously, you're fine. My ass. <laughs> you, you were saying that the generalized anxiety disorder that you had. I certainly have got waves of anxiety washing over me. I certainly get overwhelmed. I you up. There is not a single car journey where I, I don't use a very flowery vocabulary um, about my the people in front of me. Um, it is just, it is me. I cannot cut that out. Whatever I do, I, that is me. Um, but I, whilst I absolutely accept it as part of me, I'm perfectly imperfect in this case. Um, what I find interesting is how my brain nowadays responds to something like that. There are times when I can't let go. And I think nowadays, I'm not getting upset about that. I'm, I'm upset about this, this idiot or that email that someone sent me or that condition that something happened around me. I'm upset about that and I keep being upset. Nowadays I ask myself, why is that? Why are you stuck there? And then I go through the old, uh, old halt. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? So that's sort of the, the, the classic tick box approach that I learned early in my recovery. And that was so, so good. 
and of enough, yeah, I've burned a candle on two ends. I have not looked after my nutrition as well as, as I should have been, and I'm dry like a crisp. Well, here you go, bingo. Um, so why not accept those negative emotions and whatever is happening there, but ask you, yourself, well, what is your body actually trying to tell you here? And what is actually really going on? So I use the halt as one of the things. Do you use, what is your sort of, how do you go about your negative emotions? I, I've trained myself early on about those negative emotions, right? Like, you know, just driving on the freeways, anybody that's been to California um, and, and has driven on the, the, the highway system around here. Like I trained myself on the freeway because I didn't like how I would go to that you know, annoyed space, like, you know, about somebody, you know, tailgating yeah. or, you know, I just, I just started noticing how truly judgy I was. Right. And, and so I, I started redirecting myself and, and then I learned about this concept of being in the stance of a judger and, or being in a stance of a learner and how the power of inquiry can truly change our lives. So I started even though like on the freeway or when they send you an email, whatever, like we don't always have that, the power to, you know, stop and ask questions. But here's the cool thing is I get to choose how I perceive that person driving on the freeway. So if somebody's tailgating me, old me, German, Irish, Scottish, Sicilian, Taurus, born on the cusp of Gemini, when somebody would ride my tail, my first instinct would be, I'm going to tap the brakes. If you want to be that close to my bumper, let's, why don't we just really check it out? Right. Like, um, that was me. And, and I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be so much softer. I wanted to be so much more open. I wanted to be so much more interested in, in human behavior, whatever. So, you know, I started thinking, you know what, this guy behind me is really in a hurry. I hope everything is okay. I'm just going to move over and wish them well, right? Two seconds, not even a two second thing and it's gone and I'm not feeling angry because guess what? For all I know, his kid just got hit by a train and he's trying to get to the hospital. It's none of my business. He's not, he doesn't directly have any effect in my life and, and never will. Like I don't, it's not like we're going to pull off to the side of the road and become friends or get in a knockdown drag out, you know? So, you know, just learning to, be aware of just how judgy I was in my own head about myself and about my environment and other people. So when we get text messages, we choose the inflection and the tone that we apply to every word that we read. So if somebody sends you a text message that says, I can't believe you did that, you get to choose how do you want to read that? Or you have the opportunity to say, hmm, can you clue me in on what it is exactly you're talking about so that I make sure that I internalize this and or reply appropriately? Like there is so many different layers and textures to the way that we move through life, the way that we experience the stimuli going on around us and our environments that we have so much opportunity to see so many things differently versus being judgy. Like I think, you know, Sure. Uh, being in recovery doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, positive Pollyanna all, you know, all the time. No, because there are things that make me go, huh, that makes no sense. 
Like, I just don't understand how people could be that bad. And, and because there are people out there that do bad things, but you know, are people doing that, right? Anyway, so, you know, we go into this whole thing. So I choose to move into this stance of a learner all the time. So my step is, yeah, halt, it's a basic, but you know, I look at my core non-physical feeling with regularity. And what that looks like for me is right here, right now, in this moment, I feel in that insert your adjectives. Don't describe yourself as good or fine. Those are ambiguous, right? Get real with yourself. Do I feel irritated, agitated, annoyed, frustrated? Am I elated? Am I inspired? Am I intrigued? What are you? You're not good or fine. Fine. Look up the definitions of to the words if you don't know what they are. Get to know how you truly are in any given moment. And then ask yourself what's driving it. How much of it is about me? How much of it is for me? And how much of it is about something outside me? And what can I do in this moment, in this time and space to improve it, change it, shift it, morph it, keep the momentum going, whatever it is I need to do, Hmm. right? Like acknowledge. The only way we're going to condition new ways of being, seeing, or feeling is to condition it to the way that we want. We worked real hard on our drinking. 30 years I conditioned that way of being. Like I'm going to spend the next 30 years conditioning myself to to, to experience living differently. I love the way you say that. This, uh, I recently came across a, a, a pie chart. And on that pie chart were all the emotions on there. Um, and it was absolutely mind-blowing how many emotions you can actually describe. Emotions are these feelings, these kind of things that are deep inside. Now, when I was in the midst of my my addiction, I had no clue about my emotions to start off with. I was an, an imbecile. I was, a, I, was, I was retarded, literally, as far as my own emotions were concerned. Um, and it was, it's not for nothing that the worst and most hated session in a recovery program in where I was, was the 10 o'clock emotions session or feelings session. And it was basically, everyone sits around the, uh, the circle, no hats, no eye covers, no nothing, nothing in your hands, no books, no pen, no, no nothing. You're just sitting there. Needless to say, no electronic devices. And then the session would start. And no one would say anything. And it was very uncomfortable. And suddenly someone said something. And then another person said something. And sometimes it was building up a row. And was sometimes someone was saying, wow, I'm so grateful for, or whatever it was. Suddenly an emotion came out. And suddenly we were feeling things. And we actually experienced emotions of of whatever was flowing that moment. And that was the most hated session because we all were so uncomfortable around our emotions. Yet with hindsight, I must recognize that this was actually one of the most valuable sessions because that was a part of me that I had tried to numb and therefore to actually to 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 hear you talking about this learning experience about looking into your own whatever happens in you this is so gold 
This is so... But you, you can't do it necessarily alone. I mean, you went to school, and that is great. You did courses, so to speak, and you probably worked with, with other mental health professionals. Oh. So who helped you? Who were sort of the, the people who, who really left a mark on you? Well, you know, I have to say, one, the treatment program that I went to was truly unique and unfortunately is no longer open, um, you know, and hasn't been for some time. Like it was almost like it was dropped there for a little while so that I could be there because it was perfectly fit for me. Um, and then it was gone. But, you know, I have to say that, you know, there are so many pieces of that stabilization, you know, period that were that were really important that, that you don't, and I've worked in every level of addiction treatment. So you don't get that in, in, in our standard treatment. And that maybe that's why they're, they're not open, but anyway, so the, you know, the clinicians there, the, the staff there really did. In fact, I mean, I had formulated a relationship with them over a course of a two month period before I even went. Right. Cause like I planned this, this thing out man. because you know, at getting rid of a 30 year relationship was not something I was just going to willy nilly go and do. Right. So, I, you know, and it was scary. And anyway, it took me two months to get there. But, um, you know, so I formed a relationship with all of them. But, you know, there were there were certain things that they taught that also aren't taught. And I'm surprised by this way. All of the people that come to me um, post stabilization or whatever that don't know about post acute withdrawal. Um, and, and have no clue what it is. And they, they are, you know, dumbfounded to hear that it's going to impact their life for two years at minimum. And, and, and that, you know, nobody was able to tell them what that emotionally looked like for them. Like, anyway, so, you know, there was that. And then I had, uh, you know, a women's group that, that I, that I went to, that I engaged with, and it was a bunch of women we all had different things. I was the only addict, addict that I knew in, in that time and space. Now, looking back, I can see that they, we all had some sort of addictive behavior or process in our life. But, you know, some were like, you know, moms with all grown children still, you know, taking advantage of them. Another one was, you know, somebody that had a, a son with mental illness that was choosing to live on the street. Anyway, you know, another just came out from being on, you know, a psych hold. And you know, so we, it was just this women's group that was run by this amazing, you know, therapist who, you know, I think we just all needed each other in that time and space. Mm. And, and we just supported each other. And I think, you know, it was a good year that we got together mm. and we just would go in and vent and talk and, and just give each other unconditional positive regard and respect and support. And, and it was just amazing. And then, you know, my family, you know, just truly was interested in the process. And, and, and so there's, there's that. Um, and, and, you know, I had a few instructors that really impacted my life as well. Mm. It truly gave me that, that vision, that line of sight, that although what I wanted to create was something truly different and unique, mm. that, that it was still, that it was going to be something amazing because it, 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 it was seated in all of my, you know, my studies, but that it was something, you know, that 
just has a special gift to give people that are that are open to receiving. Mm-hmm. And and so you know they supported that even though you know their job was to pump out human service professionals, right? Like and 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 you know MFTs and and LMFTs and you know social workers and you know counselors, like that's their job is to you know to educate that. But knowing that you know I wanted to to do, to do it a little bit different. Like they were still there cheering me on. And uh, so it was really great. Well, beautiful. But it's beautiful to, to listen to you because really to, to paraphrase a bit, there were different people in different stages in your life that, that came in and walked with you for a while. Sometimes you sought them out. Sometimes they just happened to be there by divine intervention or by the cosmos or whatever. But it was, it was, they were, we all need different things at different times in our lives and and on our journey of recovery and our journey of healing. And uh, there might be, there might be a time that you really need to deal with the trauma um, that is maybe underlying all of your addictions and your, your, your behavior that you don't like. So you might need a specific trauma counselor and you might need to deal with the PTSD that you are suffering from that you did not really click onto as much and there might be there might be uh, sexual violence where a particular person might be really good for you to explore that but that particular person is maybe not not suited to to then deal with your anorexia in your case, um, etc. So there may be there might be a different coach coming into your life when you're ready to deal with the next challenge, because either a challenge from your past, challenge from your present, or needless to say, shit will continue to occur in your life, uh, regardless regardless of your best laid plans rest assured um so what will you who will be your partner then but i think all of in in all of these cases there is connection there is actually you sharing what is on your soul you're 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 allowing yourself to reveal what's going on to put it into words Maybe to put it into writing, journaling or, or things like that can be very powerful. The moment, it happened so many times to me that I forced myself to write something and suddenly I thought, what the hell have I just written there? It was like like a, a brain dump straight onto paper and the moment oh, it came out of my mouth and I thought, what did I just say? And suddenly there was this revelation Wow, I didn't even realize that that was sort of gnawing on me. And it's those kind of things. You're allowing yourself the time with someone who is listening to you, listening to what you say, and maybe also listening to what you not say. And that is where, where the skill comes in of, of, of the people that you have met, Tricia. And now in, in time, you have become from the pupil, you have changed to the master and, and uh, the, the, the service that you provide to others. And, and it's, it's great there are people like us out there because you haven't just read the books. You have lived a life. You have got the, the mental and physical scars to prove it. And therefore, it makes us such different animals because we have seen both sides of the coin. And and have lived both lives, and that's so beautiful. 
really want to validate something that you said, because I think it's really important that, and even for those of you that heard it, great. But for those of you who, who maybe need to hear it a little bit differently, you know, what Stephen is saying here is that it's not always just one person that's going to be your be all end all. And, and, and when I say one person, I could be referring to one treatment facility. Again, remember, we've talked about that 30 day treatment facility, maybe your starting point, but believe you me, it, it, it most likely, I won't say that it isn't because sure. If, if, if that's all you need, that's all you need. But, but here's, and, and I'll just go to what I do, right? I have an absolute specialty. I am the master at what I'm the master of. Now, with that said, I am not too proud to say, let's bring in this specialist, that specialist. I actually bring them to you or refer you out to them if it's not my specialty, if it's not something that I'm good at, if I feel like it's something that I have completely healed from, like, I'm not going to bring my baggage to you. Mm. Right. So, you know, and with that said, you know, you want somebody that's going to be open, honest, and willing to create a collaborative team for you because, and, you know, so I may be able to work with you you know, in, in my, in my specialty, creating that, you know, recovery capital, that emotional intelligence that you need to, to put together and create, you know, your life going forward. But that doesn't mean that when it comes to refeeding after anorexia or, you know, uh, you know different things, like I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I am a, you know, a nutrition coach, but I am not a nutritionist, right? So the, you know, if, if we need to be seeing anyway, you get the idea. Like you want to make sure that one, whoever you seek out speaks your language, right? Because if they, if, if, if your provider doesn't speak your language, you're just talking, you're just, you're just going to, to talk therapy and, and not that that talk therapy is bad. I just mean that you're just talking to talk, right? You want somebody who's going to speak your language so that their message resonates with you. You, you want somebody that's, that's going to, introduce you to all the things that you need, even when that's outside of that provider. Um, I, re I refer to it as the assertive continuum of care. Um, I, I love working with therapists that say, hey, I'm working with this person on their trauma, but they do really need to be living today going forward while we're working on this. And, and, and so we create this beautiful relationship with these people. They get to heal and live. It's amazing. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You're so right. And guys, imagine it. I mean, do you really want to have, for example, go to the doctor and this doctor does everything from brain surgery to tummy surgery to psychiatry to foot specialist to you name it. And you think you can't do all that. And it's logical for you that you have got a family physician who knows broadly and then refers to specialists when it's the same with you your soul your precious your precious cargo and i call it precious cargo you could say luggage and baggage that you've got um so it is those things that need addressing whatever they are right now in your life so put that team together and make sure that you're the dumbest person of that team so <laughs> stop looking for a one-stop shop because Correct. that's just for the easy way out hmm. right like 
this place offers everything and, and I'm just going to go there and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to come out fully transformed and, and, and new. And, and, and so, you know, it's not a convenience store. It's not, we're talking about your life. Mm. We're talking about, you know, looking at so many different things and really creating something new. And, and there's just so many pieces that need to happen. And each person is unique. And, and so don't look at the convenient, easy way. Look at the way that's going that, that, that you need, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Beautiful. If it takes, a, you know, a week or 10 years to get you wherever that is, <laughs> it gets all that matters, but you can't, you can't be looking for, you know, the Seven Eleven on the corner. Oh, exactly. I love it. I love it. And you, and, and rest assured, your goals will change. Um, whatever is so paramount right now, your focus, um, wait 20 minutes um okay i give it six months a year uh rest assured if you if you were to compare maybe things that you have written a year ago and things that you're writing today will be so miles apart because life changes um you have dealt with one trauma and you think everything is all right and suddenly you so you've peeled that band-aid off and it healed there and that you peel the the next on your layer back and think oh shit there's more and so more and more there's and always that, another layer <laughs> and that's okay that's okay that's the beautiful life that you've lived okay that is right. that, that, uh, it's so so call it what it is uh, don't get overwhelmed. Just, just say, okay, this is, this is, this is something for another day. But right now I focus on maybe today I focus not on the trauma in the past, but I focus on loving myself. And what could that look like? I think the most important. Isn't it? It's exactly right. And how could that look like? And, and that's, that's right for you. And it might be that you have not left the house for a very long time for reasons whatsoever. Uh, maybe, maybe you just might wish to walk around the block if it is safe to do so in your, in your setting and environment at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I like to say, you know, live for yourself first, mm. right? Learn to live for yourself first mm. without feeling guilty, selfish, punished or restricted. Uh, it is no, there is so much, and and I think Trisha, we we both are so passionate about that. That is, we want to sort of give ah everything to them here now. Open up and open wide, and I just ram it down your throat. <laughs> There's so much, and there was so much value in that in that interview. It is just oh, but I guess don't be overwhelmed with our passion, but maybe bet, get infused a bit yourself and think. Are they really two nut shops there? I mean, they must be on something, clearly. Um, or is it actually that there's a possibility that their joy is actually real and their passion is real? And does it not feel good? And maybe how could you transform slowly but surely into into our lives? Into into how could you how could you your own version? Yeah. Who, who is the new, who do you want to be when you grow up? And not what do you want to be, who do you want to be? Uh, do you want to be someone like us who is having fun? Come on the, on the, on the ride. Uh, come along, come on our path. There is, it's not a, a, as I said, it's not a mysterious, hidden, hidden brotherhood with secret handshakes. We're actually very easygoing. And guess what? When you start looking around and and think 
how many people around you are trauma sufferers or trauma survivors, are addicts in recovery. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, what you think, you think you're alone. You think all that shame and guilt and all those negative emotions, only you could possibly ever have imagined them or felt them. No, no. Look at the people around you and I show you trauma. Okay, it's as simple as that. Everywhere. Mm. Trisha, you're an amazing woman um, and your, your, your passion is infectious. I love that. If people want to connect with you more, how can they do that? You know, I think it's just to make it super easy, right? Turningleavesrecovery.com. Um, and there you'll find me. There's, there's ways to just contact me, send me a message. I've got chat on my website, you know, so just turningleavesrecovery.com. It's the best way. There's, there's a phone number listed there. It's the only one I have. Hmm. So, yeah. I, Beautiful. And guys, look down there into the description of the video and of the podcast. Her details are in there. And it's beautiful. Trisha Parido, uh, an amazing guest. You've honored me with your with your time, with your effort, but with your joy, with your passion, with your honesty, with your humility, and uh, with the, the willingness to not give up, and but rather the willingness to make every second count in your life and that is that's what i subscribe to that's what you subscribe to and you guys out there come on come on a ride come on a ride what have you got to lose honestly <laughs> more importantly what have you got to gain <laughs> hell of a lot a cool life <laughs> absolutely trisha thank you so much for coming on to my show thank you so much thank you for having me absolute pleasure and you guys out there look after yourself i believe in you stay strong but listen to my words look after yourself bye <laughs>